Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, uh, now a part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Uh, my guest today is Susan Wadia Els. She's an author of a new book coming out called Busting Breast Cancer. It's a book about effective prevention steps to keep breast cancer out of your body. And uh, from what I understand, looking at uh, different cancer websites, uh, breast cancer for women is the number one cancer that they're getting. I, I believe it represents, I guess, 30% of all cancers that women get and uh, very significant. So I'm glad she's doing this book. And uh, Susan, thanks for coming. Oh, well, Richard, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about your background. What got you into studying cancer? Well, I have a very strange background to have written this book. I, I have gra- I've done graduate work in political um, economy and my PhDs in women's studies. But what happened to me was about 15 years ago, I started having friends who were developing early stage breast cancer. And then not one, not two, but three of them after they were, quote, successfully treated, went on in a few years to develop recurrent metastatic breast cancer, which meant for all three of them, an early death sentence. And I just, I I just got very angry. I've basically been sort of a cultural change agent and investigative journalist for all of my career. And, um, and I just thought with all of this money being spent on breast cancer research and the pink ribbons and get your mammogram that we should know more about how to deal with this disease. And I figured maybe there were lots of ignored research studies out there that people just didn't know about. So I just went on this journey and it's now finally culminated in the publication of Busting Breast Cancer, which just went on Amazon last week. It's very new, very new. So what's the premise of the book and what's your approach? Well, the premise of the book is that Because we now have a metabolic theory of cancer, thanks to the Boston College biologist, uh, Dr. Thomas Seifried, we understand why one woman develops breast cancer, but another never does. And now that we understand the absolute biological origin of this disease, we can say to women, here are at least five steps that if you're willing to make sure you include these steps in your lifestyle, in your daily life, you're going to be able to knock down your risk of developing breast cancer by 70, 80%. I mean, it's, it's astounding, astounding. Mm. And this is all new information. Yeah. So what are the, what are some of the steps you've identified to reduce the, uh, the risk? Yeah. Well, the, again, I haven't identified them. I've just looked at what the research is out there and sort mm-hmm. of followed the trail of the breadcrumbs and uncovered sort of similar to what Dr. Seifert did when he put together the theory, the metabolic theory that he just, you know, started with Otto Warburg or even before that, and just followed the breadcrumbs and found a lot of ignored research studies out there that for whatever reasons, the current cancer industry doesn't want to look at. And we know that 
today, that's a very, very, it's a failing industry. People are dying right and left. They're being treated in toxic ways. So if they don't die from cancer, they end up being harmed, bodily harmed for the rest of their lives from the treatment. So the, the five steps that that are in the book are basically telling women to lose all their excess body fat because that can help suffocate the mitochondria. And we should talk, Richard, about what causes all cancer. And that is what Dr. Seyfried's research has shown us. It is the suffocation of the power batteries of the little 70 or 80 power batteries or mitochondria in each, in this case, breast cancer cell. I guess in in brain cancer cells, there are thousands of mitochondria. In breast ducts and breast uh, lobes, which is where the the cancer happens in the breast, uh, there are about 70 or 80 of them. And so excess body fat basically means you're you're producing a lot of toxic estrogens that are helping suffocate those poor mitochondria in the breast cells because estrogen can enter breast cells and over ovarian cells and various the sex organs and uh, also another of the steps that women need to know about is to raise their vitamin D3 levels because although this doesn't affect the suffocation of the mitochondria, it enables their innate immune system to come in and wipe out any cells that begin to suffocate. And so getting those vitamin D3 levels very high will protect women probably more easily than any any of the other five steps. And a third of the simple steps, as we call them, is to not take any of these progestin birth control drugs, nor to have a progestin-laced IUD inserted for contraception. And for menopausal women, postmenopausal women, to never use these combination menopausal drugs that include progestin. And this might have been one of the most astounding findings because about in 2010, a huge study was reported that showed exactly the biological track that happens when a woman ingests this progestin chemical by taking a birth control drug or by taking one of these combo menopausal drugs. And that progestin not only initiates breast cancer, but it can also accelerate any existing dormant or non-dormant cancer cells in that woman's breast. So that's a third one. And a fourth one is to basically not have mammograms, which ends up being an incredibly unpopular, terrifying thought for many women because Many of us have been brainwashed into thinking that mammograms somehow prevent breast cancer when, of course, they don't. They will just Mm -hmm. sometimes, but a lot of times not, detect if you have a tumor or not. A lot of times they don't show that at all, but it, it is not a good thing for lots of different reasons that I describe in the book. And the fifth simple step is uh, for women to just keep their bodies cleansed. And, you know, everyone has a variety of ways they can do that from filtering the water they drink or they shower in to eating clean, organic, non-pesticide laden foods, to doing dry skin brushing to keep your lymph system moving, which keeps 
the toxins moving out of your breasts. Uh, so there are just so many basic things women can do that ratchet down our rate of our risk of breast cancer literally by 60 to 80 percent. No, that's true. I mean, with mammograms, right. I mean, it's not going to prevent cancer and everyone's bugged. Oh, you got to do it every year. You got to do it every year. But all it does is uh, if it shows you a tumor, then, you know, they want to push you into the standard of care. So I guess uh, maybe the real reason is to uh, get more people, uh, you know, into the clinic. Well, Richard, you're a very, very smart person because, in fact, I finally came to realize exactly that, that there's a wonderful researcher by the name of Gilbert Welsh, who was at Dartmouth for many decades and finally was pushed out. And I'm sure, I don't know, but maybe some funders of Dartmouth didn't like him being there because his research shows unequivocally, and he does a lot of statistical research, although he's an MD, he's a a research MD. He's showing that it's possible that 40 to 60% of women who go ahead and have mammograms and are told, oh, Daisy May, we're so sorry, you have early stage breast cancer, but don't worry, we're going to treat you and make you all better. 40 to 60% of those women have either no breast cancer yet, they have something they call atypical cells or DCIS, Or those women have incredibly tiny tumors that only a mammogram in some cases can see that may not have may have been there for decades, may never have grown, may never grow and are are going no place until you start poking them with biopsies and smashing them with more mammograms. And so they're creating a, a pool of these well, they're creating an unnecessary breast cancer epidemic is what the mammograms are doing. It is the feeder system for today's unnecessary breast cancer epidemic. What are some of the stats on, uh, on breast cancer? I know there's you know various kinds with different mutations, supposedly, but you know what are the stats today, the survivorship, and you know what were they 30, 40 years ago? Is there much of a difference? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. I think that right now they are not public, the government, which is, I believe, completely aligned with the cancer industry. I think they're one in the same. In fact, I show in my book that they're one in the same, that those groups are not publicly disclosing how many women are treated for those early stage breast cancers who go on within months, years, or sometimes decades to develop that recurrent metastatic breast cancer. And the only way a woman dies from breast cancer is when she develops metastatic breast cancer. Uh, You can have huge tumors in your breasts. Those breasts are not vital organs. It's not a huge tumor in your brain, in your colon, in your liver. And, And so 
you know, there's the only death sentence happens when those cancer cells are allowed to migrate into essential organs in the body. And Dr. Seifried has dedicated a whole chapter in his book, which you well know is called The Cancer as a Metabolic Disease. Um, he has a whole chapter showing the research that describes how having a breast biopsy has a huge, huge risk of enabling an errant breast cell to, to pop loose, connect with one of the macrophage that's coming to heal the biopsy wound, because that macrophage is the most powerful cell in our immune system. And it's coming and doing its job to help clean up the, you know, the wound that was just made by the, by the surgeon to get a biopsy. And then it takes off, it, it can fuse with that errant cancer cell. And it takes off for your liver, for your bones, for your brain. It has a few favorite places it likes to lodge. And what Dr. Seifert's book talks about is that this is called the seed and soil theory of metastasis. Today's cancer industry ignores it because if you don't ignore it, you have to start saying that, oh, cancer really is a logical metabolic disease. And so they keep doing these biopsies, which too often we we believe are creating this high rate of recurrent metastatic breast cancer. But since the government is unwilling to share this data that they mandate be collected from doctors and clinics, they don't have to tell women about the embarrassing statistics that are now coming out of the breast cancer industry machine. So with biopsies, what happens uh, when they biopsy? I guess they disturb the tissue and tear it. And uh, does that cause, I mean, I guess Thomas, Thomas Seafried seems to believe so. Um, you know, how much literature have you seen to, to substantiate that biopsies can actually cause cancer to spread? Well, this was known back in 1890 when, when a, a biochemist uh, figured out that uh, bio, the, the seed and soil theory that it, it started way back then. And, um, but it, it's basically been cast aside um, by today's cancer industry because they need, if they can't do a biopsy, then they can't, they're all focused on what does the molecular exhaust, what does the, the latest mutation that your newest cancer cells are creating, what do they look like? And once we know what they look like, then we can do personal medicine for you. And that's how they build the industry. But if in fact, as the metabolic theory of cancer shows us, the only two important things, if you're into killing cancer cells, the only two important things to focus on pretty much is the two major fuels. You know, what's going into the gas tanks? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes of that, those cancer cells. And those two fuels, no matter what the type of breast cancer is, is glucose and glutamine. Mm. And some of the breast cancers, like the estrogen negatives, the triple, the triple negative, the HER2 positive, those are considered to be hormone negative. And they tend to be feeding off of much more of the, the glutamine than the glucose. But, but you need to 
Dr. Seifert is finding is to focus on, on blocking both of those fuels if you want to put an end to the cancer in your body. So, but back, to, uh, Richard, to your question about what causes the, the recurrent metastatic, how does the biopsy create a metastatic condition? And again, as, as I described very quickly and in regular, you know, layperson terms for me and everybody else to understand, whereas Tom, Dr. Seifert takes a whole chapter to describe what I'm about to say. And he's showing chapter and verse of every research study that's ever been put out there for the last century, literally, literally, literally. and 18, yeah, yeah, literally. And, but basically what happens is when you stick Tom calls it sticking a needle in a beehive, and he's and he means that that tumor is like a beehive of loosely connected cancer cells that are just multiplying happily along. They're they're mindlessly multiplying happily along. They're like a compost heap, you know, creating a bigger and bigger compost heap in the breast, let's say. And when you poke it in the breast into the tumor and try and pull out some cells to then take it to the lab and figure out what the molecular design looks like, blah, 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 you will very often loosen up some cells. They, they come out of the tumor, they don't go into the needle, and they're loose. And our immune system um, is composed of a variety of immune cells, but one of them is called the macrophage. And apparently macrophages are the most powerful immune cell in the body. And they can, they can help heal a broken bone. They can help heal a burned skin. They can help heal an internal wound. They can go anywhere they want to in the body. They've got a free pass. And so they apparently are able to merge, to fuse with that errant cancer cell. And then they take off. And I guess, as we're understanding, one of the reasons there's such a high probability of breast biopsy morphing into recurrent metastatic breast cancer is because the breasts are very close to the major lymph nodes under the arms. And in, in fact, breast tissue goes up into the lymph node. And so once you get into the lymph system, that macrophage is having a heyday. Now he's fused or she's fused or whatever the macrophage is, it is fused with a breast cancer cell and it takes off and eventually starts to form tumors in, uh, in vital organs of the body. And then you have a woman who's looking at an early death sentence. She's got recurrent metastatic breast cancer. So why there should be many, many more studies, Richard. And, and they are not recently. It's really hard to find those studies. And I'm understanding a lot about how scientific research is done is is someone decides they want a question explored so they put some money out there and they say to the science world hey we'll give you 50,000 500,000 5 million to do this study on this on like how do biopsies create metastatic breast cancer? Well, you're mm -hmm. not going to find anybody with much money who wants to do that study because it will bring down the whole current standard of care of radiating, cutting, poisoning a, a woman once she's discovered to have breast So yeah, there's not much sense. money out there to do these studies. So what, what do you hope to accomplish with your book? What are you trying to... Uh, well, 
Yeah, I love that question because that, of course, is the whole purpose of the book. It isn't just to tell, it's to really accomplish something. And and what I have come to realize very sadly is that given our for-profit sick care system in this country, I don't even call it a health care system, it's a sick care system, um, women become the only, individual women joining together become the only group that actually has the self-interest to end today's expansive, unnecessary breast cancer epidemic. And unless individual women can take care of ourselves and then share my book and share this information with another woman and another woman and another woman, we will never end this unnecessary breast cancer epidemic. There's too much money in it, especially in metastatic breast cancer. That's where they're making more and more and more. Actually, I think the majority of the breast cancer drug money is being made now with these inordinately expensive uh, chemotherapies, immunotherapies, and they're not resolving the disease. That's what Tom Seifert and all the metabolic oncologists around the world and the biologists are trying to do. They're trying to resolve the disease so the person can go back to optimal health and live a long life. But these drugs and immunotherapies, they're not even designed to do that. They can't. They don't know how to do it. But they're not just their goal is to keep the woman living for eight more months, 15 more months, nine more months. But the price tags are horrific. Horrific. I'm sure the quality of life is no good either. No yeah, one well, I, you would have to interview women who have been doing this to really give you that answer. My sense is it's not the best, but but and I, it may also be very different for different women because breast cancer tumors are very very different in their growth and their the speed of their growth, and um, so the younger women who end up with a lot of the estrogen negative breast cancers, they will sometimes develop recurrent metastatic breast cancer within months of being treated for their primary tumor for their early stage breast cancer. Whereas older women who develop much slower growing estrogen positive or hormone positive tumors, they can they can go a decade or even two decades before they are diagnosed with recurrent metastatic breast cancer. And then they can go decades later living with it. But as we ask what, what kind of quality of life they have. So what's, um, again, the purpose of the book is to bring attention to all these, you know, alternatives or methods, but, you know, have you had any run in with uh, breast cancer yourself or people that, you know, or like what drove you to, you know, want to make this book yeah, well, I don't want to get the disease. Uh, as I say, I, I, I have lost too many friends to this disease. And I just last Sunday lost a dear friend to a sarcoma. And my greatest unhappiness, because all Dana-Farber could do was was radiate the hell out of her, excuse my language, until they got 95% of it. And then last spring, they sent her home to die. And And my book wasn't out yet. And um, and it's really hard for a cancer patient to consider uh, different kinds of therapies if you don't have a published book or if you're not well known in the field or if you're not an MD. And right. I guess I'm hoping uh, that this book can help women, one, not get breast cancer because we don't need to anymore, but they have to take take the lead. Women have to say no to mammograms. I can do self-exams. I can have clinical exams. If a, a small tumor is, to, and I can do thermography that shows if I have inflamed tissue 
And if I have inflamed tissue, that means I better lose my excess body fat. That's causing inflammation. I better clean up my diet. I better clean up my water supply. I really want women with this book to understand that we're in charge, that if we want to live a healthy life and if we don't want to get breast cancer, we need to take charge of our lives. We cannot no longer depend on the American Cancer Society, the National Cancer Institute, or even our oncologist. And it's a hard pill to swallow. And it's harder for women, I think, to question authority than it is for men. But until women and unless women question authority today on breast cancer, more and more women will continue to develop it, be diagnosed with it, develop recurrent metastatic breast cancer and die early deaths. And it's not necessary. So the book is encouraging women to take charge. So what what do you think that, um, I don't know, I mean, do you see that the future is just going to be a continuation of the past in terms of treating cancer? Or do you see that things are starting to change or develop or no? Oh, no, I think people, I think things are starting to change. I think it feels kind of slow right now. Um, but I think things are about to speed up. I mean, it's really nice that because of the podcast such as yours, Um, Because of books such as Tom's, and then, of course, there's Travis Christofferson's uh, Tripping Mm -hmm. Over the Truth, and he describes Tom Seyfried's amazing journey piecing together the metabolic theory. And we have many, you know, ketogenic cookbooks and ketogenic guides. The Ketogenic Kitchen is a beautiful one put out by Chelsea Green Press by a cancer survivor, by two cancer survivors who are following the ketogenic diet and have used it to, to keep themselves healthy. Um, there's Miriam Kalamian's book, Keto for Cancer. And there's also a group called Care Oncology. And uh, what we're finding is people who have a lot of... England. They have a clinic in England. Do you know if they have one in the U.S., the Care Oncology well, Clinic? Well, what's wonderful is the, the clinic in England, as I understand it, Travis Christofferson brought the, the methodology over to this country a couple of years ago, and it's now telemedicine. So there's not a, a brick and mortar uh, facility, which makes sense because what they're doing is they're using Zoom calls. I was on one last week with a friend who is dealing with metastatic prostate cancer. And he is going to be trying uh, the care oncology protocols. And they are happy to work with people who are doing the straight chemo radiation surgery. They're happy to work with people who have given up on that. They're happy to work with people who don't want to even try that. Um, And what they're doing is helping the individuals with some uh, nurses and doctors guiding the way, and they send, they mail you the the, the drugs, and they're they're repurposed drugs. There's like metformin and an antiparasitic, which is a glutamine. Yeah, and that's all. Yeah, so and they, and and I don't understand why statin, but they're using a statin too. But they're having wonderful, wonderful experiences helping people reclaim their optimal health, extend their lives. And, and, and it's just beginning. And, um, and what we're finding is people who don't have a lot of money are now being a, are much more willing to quickly get on board with metabolic treatments. And therefore, they're living longer and healthier than women, than, than individuals who have all of this money and can pay for all the chemotherapies and the immunotherapies and end up either with an early death or, 
or their body, their digestive system, their mental capacity, everything can get very much compromised with those toxic treatments. Uh, and, and that's one thing I do say in the book that in, in just one section of the book that it's only when women demand metabolic therapies to be given that option and demand that their insurance pay for it, um, that we'll be able to end this unnecessary breast cancer epic. But it's going to be hard because there's not much money in using a ketogenic lifestyles and repurposed drugs to solve breast cancer. I mean, you, if you can't make any money, you're going to destroy many, many careers and, and many huge cancer centers. It's going to be an interesting ride. So your book is released now or is it about to be? Yes. When's the date? No, we had a launch copy come out um, in October. And if people go to my website, bustingbreastcancer.com, they can order it there, which is a, a very lovely color edition of the book with color charts and graphs and images. And it's $19.99. And probably easier for more most people is just to go to Amazon. It, it went up on Amazon about 10 days ago. And, uh, and it also is being distributed worldwide by Amazon, but also worldwide by um, Ingram Spark book distributors. So if you have a favorite independent bookstore, have them order it through their Ingram Spark account. Um, and again, the paperback is $19.99. The ebook is $9.99. I hope we'll have an audio version sooner rather than later, but we need funding for that. And I should mention that, that once I pay, this is self-published, and it's very expensive to do a beautiful book, beautifully edited as this is, and beautifully designed as this is. Um, and I still am dealing with, you know, paying off my designer, you know, paying off her balance and, and my last editor. But once those bills are paid, then 20% of all of the sales of the book for its lifetime will be going to the Foundation for Metabolic Cancer Therapies. Because that's oh, nice. where, yeah, Dr. Seafried is, they're figuring out how to best deal with metastatic cancers. Well, very good. Well, Susan, thank you for doing what you've done with this book. And I you know, wish you a lot of luck in promoting it. And where can people, uh, you know, let's let's restate the name of the book. It's on Amazon and Kindle. So go ahead, tell me that. And then where can they get in touch with you? They want to. Can they get in touch with you? you know? sure. So first of all, what, what's the name of the book again? And where can they uh, find you? Sure. The name of the book is Busting Breast Cancer, Five Simple Steps to Keep Breast Cancer Out of Your Body. Mm -hmm. And they can get the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, their independent bookstores, libraries are ordering it now. And also if people would like like seven or more books, 14 or more books, they can go to my website and we're giving discounts on bulk orders of the books because uh, biology classes are adopting it. I've already heard that that's happening or about right. to happen and, uh, and book groups are wanting it. So you know, we'll give 15, 20% discount if they go to bustingbreastcancer.com and they order a, a bulk. So those are the three places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, four places, your independent booksellers and bustingbreastcancer.com. And they're all the same price. Very good. Well, Susan, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. It's been good to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me, Richard. It's a new experience for me being on these podcasts and I, yeah. I look forward to doing many more. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.